If, you've, if you have a Bible on you, I would love for you to go to uh, 1 Samuel chapter 17, uh, which can sometimes be hard to find. Uh, no, no shame in looking at the contents page of the Bible, but it's Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, 1 Samuel. There it is uh, right there. And I'm going to read, refer a lot to 1 Samuel 17 in a moment, so just keep your fingers in there and we'll get back to it. It's not, that part's not going to come up on, uh, on the screens just yet, but the past couple of Sundays, uh, we've been looking, I guess, on a bit of an accidental series where we've been looking at the ability of God to do incredible things in us and through us, despite us, like despite our, our apparent lack what we think we may or may not have despite our circumstance, whether things are going really well or whether we're in a trial or, or struggling. Even despite our weakness, the Bible says that his strength is made perfect when we are actually, actually weak. God's ability, it doesn't stop him. He can break out and break through uh, in our lives. And there is often things that we can do, ways to position ourselves when we are in that kind of time. And even when we're at our worst, to see God at, at his best. By the way, just a bit of a plug, you can listen to any of those messages online at our website and you can watch the messages at our YouTube channel. So I encourage you to subscribe to that. Uh, but um, I, I just want to share something which I believe may be a real game changer uh, for some of us this morning when it comes to uh, prevailing in seasons of challenge. And and as we've heard this morning already, coming out of challenge, coming out of those seasons, coming into spring seasons, uh, and even though it's, we're going into winter, we're also going into spring in the spirit, is what I think was what I heard Mark say. And so uh, we looked at the power of praise the other week. This morning, if you're taking notes, I've entitled this message, Watch Your Mouth. Watch your, watch your mouth. And I want to talk about the, the, the power of what we declare of what we speak, of what we, uh, what we say with our mouths. Let me just pray. Father, I thank you again for your word, for words of hope, for words of promise. Uh, and Father, I thank you for this word about your declaring or, or us declaring your word and truth. Again, we thank you for the ability of your word to transform us where it counts on the inside. And I pray this morning that uh, your word would have some way in us to do that very thing. Come and challenge us where we need to be challenged. Come change us where we need to be, to be changed. Amen. I, uh, I read recently uh, about a whole lot of really smart people who study the human brain. I think they're called neuroscientists. Any neuroscientists here today? No, none, none here. Uh, they, they have and have been discovering, not, this is not uh, new news, but but realizing that there is a connection between uh, actually what we say with our mouths, the words that we speak, and how our bodies physically respond to those words. There's actually a, a science has begun to prove that there is a connection. Um, you know, read up a whole lot of stuff about psychosomatic disorders online, but they've found that, our, that the speech center in our, in our brain actually has influence on the central nervous system of our body. Uh, and so what science is suggesting is that our body can't help but physically respond to the words that come out of our mouths. It's, it's fascinating. And so it's why it's so important that we watch 
what we say, that we watch our, our mouths. And, you know, I was thinking about that and, and just going, you know what? It's, science is only recently discovering things the Bible has been actually alluding to for, for, for centuries. And uh, maybe God knew a thing or two about, about how we were made, right? And so the Bible suggests like over and over and over that what we speak has, has great power and impact, not, not just on our physical bodies, but on our worlds, on our destinies, on, on a whole, whole lot of things. Let me just give you a few examples. James chapter 3, verse 2. This is on the screen, uh, reading from the message version. You're allowed, to, you're allowed to read from the message version once in a sermon. After that, it's illegal. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Those of you who know a little bit about the message will find that funny. Anyway, it says, A bit in the mouth of a horse controls the whole horse. A small rudder on a huge ship in the hands of a skilled captain sets a course in the face of the strongest winds. A word out of your mouth may seem of no account, but it can accomplish nearly anything or destroy it. How about this Proverbs 18.21? It says, death and life are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruit. Jesus said this in Matthew 12, 37. He said, the words that you say, what comes out of your mouth will either acquit you or condemn you. I keep going. First Peter chapter 3, verse 10 says, whoever would love life and see good days. How many, how many would like to love life and want to see good days for them? Must You must keep your tongue from evil and your lips from deceitful Speech And there's a whole lot more which we won't go through, but just the Bible right throughout its pages is echoing this, this not just a sentiment, but this principle or this, this reminder to us that we've got to watch, watch our, our mouths. Turn to the person next to you and tell them, watch your mouth. You, you better watch, you got to watch your mouth. Watch that mouth of yours. I've been, I've been thinking a lot recently, uh, and we, you know we, we've had as a family kind of an interesting past couple of months. There's been I've had some health stuff, which is it's all good now, and just a lot of things going on. And I've been thinking a lot recently about what I say and and what I speak, what's coming out of my 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 mouth, the words that are coming out, and and I must confess they've not always been good through some of this time, and I don't know what it was that I said, and if my kids are here, please don't yell it out. We don't want to know, but but it was definitely something negative. I was speaking poorly about something that was was going on, and and one of my daughters, uh, my youngest, who's not here, she looks at me and she says, "Dad, after hearing me say this, I thought you loved Jesus." I go, "Oh man." Oh man, that was rough. And so I'm, I'm just uh, realigning myself uh, with some truth and practicing some positive declarations uh, over my life about circumstance. And I'm just giving this to you as, as well. I want to just define something this morning because I want to talk about declaring. And uh, let's define, define a declaration as this. It's a statement of truth that has not yet made itself manifest in our life. So when we talk about the, the power of a declaration, 
or what the declaring words that come out of our lips. I want you to think about this, about things that have not yet made themselves manifest. Good things, things in God's word, his, his promises. The perfect example of this in the Bible is Joel 3.10 on the screens. And I love this. And this could just be a message all in itself. It's, it's, it's kind of a little ways in in, in in verse 10. But it says, let the weak say, I am strong. I, just think about that statement for just a moment in, in the light of a declaration. Let the weak say, speak, I am strong. I mean, that is a positive statement that has not yet been manifest. Right? Like, let, listen, let the person who is in a current state of weakness, currently experiencing weakness, let them make a confession, not about their current state. Man, I feel weak. Man, man, I'm tired. Man, I don't have what... But let, let them in that current state of weakness say, I am strong. While you are weak, declare you are strong. Do you get it? That's that kind of that thought around a declaration. I, I, I was telling someone last week, uh, just privately about this, some years ago, I was struggling with some stuff about, about my identity and about my call, about who God said that I was. Uh, and I, I got to the point where I realized I had to write down some positive declarations until I actually came in line with what God had said. And so I wrote these all down. I printed them off. I even laminated them. And I stuck them on the mirror of our ensuite. And every morning as I was brushing my teeth, I would read these things out aloud. And I would keep declaring them out, speaking them out, confessing them, even though I didn't believe it until I did. The funny story with that is we put our house on the market and the statements were kind of weird. Like they were private, they were, but just, you know, they, they wouldn't have made sense to too many people. We had an open home and we, we left, to, left the house with the dog. And then I realized, oh my gosh, I've left those declarations on the vanity mirror. Anyone who goes in there is going to go, what? Anyway, it was kind of awkward. Yeah, anyway, so, but uh, in 1 Samuel 17, if you got your apps, your phones or your, your Bibles there and open, uh, is the story, and I reckon the greatest, one of the greatest stories, shouldn't say the greatest story, but one of the great stories in the Old Testament, the story of David and Goliath. And, and uh, it's, it's the sort of stories we read to our kids, but I was reading this one the other day to my children. This is not a child story. It's gruesome, but uh, there's no, no kids who are going to, uh, Lily's okay, I think, but, but um, we're not going to read the bad bits. Anyway, I just want to look at this story and I want to pull out a couple of points about what we declare and how we declare some things. But with, I was going to read out all 50 verses, but it's just going to take too long. So I'll refer back and forth to it and you can read it maybe in your own time. But essentially in 1 Samuel 17, the this, this story for basically for 40 days, it's over a month, Israel and the Israelites and the Philistines, the Israel's enemy, uh, in this kind of a showdown and, and uh, they're kind of taunting each other, at least the taunting's coming from one side before any fighting's been going on. So they're both camped on each side and, and there's this kind of uh, trash talk, I guess, go, going on between these two. And, and if anyone's keeping score, Israel will like down by 40 points. By the way, let's be, be praying for Israel right now. If you're watching the news, we pray for peace and but, but anyway, I've got to keep focused here. Every morning out of the camp of the Philistines would come this, 
giant of a man. He was literally a, a giant, uh, nine foot nine, I believe. And uh, he had this, the Bible talks about what he looked like. He had a huge bronze helmet on a massive head. And he had a, he had a coat of armor that weighed, I don't know exactly the measurements that the Bible talks about, but probably like a small car it was weighed. And, and, and it says that his staff that Goliath carried was the size of a weaver's beam. I don't even know what a weaver's beam is, but I bet it's big, right? And, and he had a massive iron spear. And, and he stands before the Israelites, this massive, ugly, cursing giant. And he mocks Israel all day, every day for over a month. And it, and it says in this passage that when Saul, who was the king of Israel and all of the Israelites heard the words of Goliath and all of his taunting, it says they were greatly afraid and discouraged. Verse 25 of 1 Samuel 17, it says that the men of Israel said, they spoke, have you seen this man who has come up? Have you seen the size of him? He is huge. Have you seen the size of his arms? They're massive. Guys, the, the staff is the size of a weaver's beam. <laughs> and we all know how big that is, right? Like, one of the things that I've noticed about myself when I'm in a challenging time or a challenging season, when there's something really large looming down at me, when I'm in a stressful situation, is I've noticed that I very quickly start talking about the problem. I love to talk about the problem, how big the problem is, how wide it is, how, how man, I don't think I can get around this, this problem. I even ring other people up and tell them about, about the problem and tell them about the city. How, how big is it? Where's I'm thinking, you know how big a weaver's beam is? It's that big. It's that big. And, but all, all that to say that we are, we are really good about speaking about the giants in our lives, about the mountains in our lives. We're great at speaking about the obstacles. The, the Bible says that there was a young man called David who would actually become the king of Israel. And it describes him as a small, ruddy farm boy who wasn't even enlisted in Israel's army, but was a shepherd and he had wandered down, if you can find this in, in the text, he'd wandered down to the campsite where the Israelites were waiting to deliver cheese sandwiches to his brothers. It's actually what it says. He brought loaves of bread and he bought a whole lot of cheese. How many love cheese sandwiches? Come on, I make cheese sandwiches for my kids. Toasted cheese sandwiches every single day of the week. Anyway, <laughs> David comes down with his cheese sandwiches and he hears all of the whispering and all of the moaning and all of the talking about this problem that they were facing, about this giant. Everyone's talking about how big and tall and wide this giant is. And so David somehow gets uh, an audience with the king and he tells the king, hey, I'll go fight him. I'll do it. Put some, put some armor on me, which doesn't actually work, but I'll, I'll fight this giant. I've fought a lion and a bear before. This guy will be no match for that. And, and they're like, you're crazy, David. But David goes out and, and so armed with eventually just a shepherd's staff and five stones from the river. And he goes out and he stands before Goliath and when Goliath sees him, and this is in verse 43, just to try and find where we're at here. 
the giant sees David's appearance, sees David and says to him, am I a dog, words of Goliath, that you come to me with sticks? In other words, this is, this is what you've come. This is the best you've got. Come to me, David, and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. Now, this would have been a good time for David to run back to the camp like all the others had done and talk about what he'd seen. Oh, my gosh, this guy is huge. I didn't realize you weren't exaggerating. And, uh, but, but listen, David assesses the situation, not with, with what he sees, but with what he sees in his heart about what God has been saying to him. And he comes to this conclusion, and this is the bit that I want you to hear that this was a giant. This was a set of circumstances that didn't need talking about any longer. This was a giant that needed talking to. This was a giant that did not need talking about. This was a giant that needed talking to. Now, I don't know what you may be facing or coming through. I don't know what may be seemingly insurmountable issue that may be overshadowing you. Maybe, I don't know, there are lots of giants in our lives that come about. It could be a health issue. It, it, could, it could be an unhealthy habit. It could be a relationship problem. It might be a provision uh, need, but something going on in the background. I don't know, but, but whatever it is, whatever obstacle that thing might be, I want to tell you, uh, as I've kind of taught myself over these last few weeks, do yourself a favor and stop talking about the problem, about the obstacle, about the issue, and start talking to it. Start speaking to that giant. Listen to what David says, verse 45 of 1 Samuel 17. Then David said to the Philistine, you come to me. This is the best. I love this bit. You come to me with a sword, with a spear, and with a javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of all of Israel, whom you, giant, have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you and take your head from you. And this day I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air and the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. Listen, we've got we to gotta stop being overwhelmed and intimidated and scared and impressed with the size of the giants and the mountains and the obstacles in our life and start speaking to those giants about the size of our God, about how big He is. We need to start speaking some of those words about how big our God is. I, I love the story in Mark 11. This is coming up on the screen too. Jesus is teaching his disciples about faith and actually about the power of confession. Uh, not, not on the screen, but just before it, Jesus has cursed the fig tree. He's, it's, it's got no fruit. And it wasn't that Jesus was, was hangry. He was, it was a prophetic statement about, about Israel at the time who were pursuing fruitful, fruitless works. But but the disciples see the next day that this fruit, this fig tree had died. It was withered because Jesus had, had spoken against it. And, and he begins to teach them something about the power of confession. In verse 22 of Mark 11, he says, this guys have faith in God. 
In fact, that word have faith in God, it, it literally, the, the Greek translation says have the faith of God or have God's kind of faith. And we know that God's, God's, the way that God operated was, was declaring words. Let there be light, right? And there was. You know, what God speaks happens. And he says, have, have the faith of God. Have God's kind of faith. Have faith in God. For assuredly, I say to you, listen, whoever says to the mountain, be cast, be removed and be cast into the sea and does not doubt it in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done. He will have whatever he says. Now, just look, look at this. Whoever says things about the mountain, no. But whoever speaks to the mountain and says, be removed and cast into the sea and does not doubt, but believes those things that he speaks will be done. He will have whatever he speaks. Notice the promise here is not to those who talk about the mountain, but those who speak to it. I hope you're getting this because it's, it's so important. Israel spoke about the giant and it got them nowhere. It got them in their tents with their knees knocking. But David spoke to it. And he, he, he got to declare some things in faith to the situation that, that he was facing. And, and so we just keep going with this because there's a really interesting thing about when we declare what is not yet as if it is. If the words that we speak are spoken in faith, declaring things that God has spoken to us, even though it doesn't look like it's happening, even though the circumstances look look dire or look too big there's something powerful about speaking and declaring god's word to that it says that uh, uh if you if you read this verse verse six i think it is i don't have it actually up my my book and bible and i can't actually read it anyway but it's too too small i've got glasses now but anyway uh i am going to try and find it it's not verse six uh, it, it says in the story that, that David, when he speaks to the giant, he tells Goliath that he's going to take off his head. And if someone can yell out the passage here, the verse, he would take off his head and feed his body to the air and the beasts of the earth. Verse 46 of 1 Samuel 17. He, he tells the giant that that is What's going to happen? That was his declaration speaking to the giant. I'm going to remove your head and I'm going to, and I'm going to feed, feed your head to the birds of the air. Like I said, it's a little gr gruesome, but just, but just I want you to think about that statement. Not, not ex exactly what's, not what's happening, but just think about the way he says that. Because when I read that and I, and I don't read what happens next, the very first thing I think of is, how are you going to do that, David? How are you going to remove the head of this giant when all you have is a bag of stones? Like stones and a giant's head doesn't line up. And the Bible says that they were actually smooth stones. They weren't sharp stones. You know, they could sort of just hold still or try and get some friction going. <laughs> Okay, too much detail, right? They were smooth stones, yet the statement is made about how the giant's head is going to come off. Like, like, and without the hindsight of what we know comes next, I don't know, wouldn't a, a declaration about removing Goliath's head be more plausible if David had in his hand 
a sword, maybe, like, you know, something sharp. But, but listen, again, what happens, I'll just read this out to you. Actually, we haven't read this, but yet verse 48, it says, not on the screen. So it was, when the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David, that David hurried and ran toward the army to meet the Philistine. Verse 49, 1 Samuel 17. Then David put his hand in his bag and took out a stone and he slung it and struck the Philistine in the forehead. That's the noise it would make. So that the, the stone sank into his forehead and he fell on his face to the earth. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone and struck the Philistine and killed him. But there was no sword in the hand of David. David! And verse 51 says, Therefore David ran and stood over the Philistine, took his sword and drew it out of his sheath and killed him and cut off his head with it. Gross, I know, but, but what a story. And what a prophetic declaration that he just made about an impossible situation, about one's head coming off one's body with nothing in his hands to do it in. I love how David's confession of what he would do to that giant looking down at him was such a great declaration of what was not yet but would be. And it brought God, I believe, into active aid into that situation. He did not have the resource. He did not have the means. He did not have the height to reach. You're like, just wait a second. No, just, you know, could you just bend down a little bit? He didn't even have a sword, but he began to declare a better future over that circumstance. He began to speak, not about the giant, but he began to speak to it and about what was going to happen. And listen, when we speak out of what God has said, what God has spoken over us, when we watch our mouths, when we stop talking about how bad it may be, when we engage God and declare God's truth over our situations, we engage the living God and bring him into active aid over our lives. And, and many of us, and I, I say many of us just to kind of include you because I'm talking about myself, but, but we, we make declarations so, so easy about what we see rather than what God has said. And there's a, sometimes a huge difference. Uh, we, 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 take a, we take a look at what we see and then we start to confess things about what we see. We see trouble. We see difficulties, we see lack, we see impossibilities, we, we see limitations, we see a giant standing before us, and therefore we speak out of what, what we see. But, but listen, listen, believers, faith is not about what the eyes see, but about what God's Word reveals to us. Yeah, that's right. And how this, this book and its promises apply to our lives today and over our, our situations and, and circumstance. Uh, Hebrews 11, not on the screen, it says, Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things unseen. Our faith gets to declare things that have not yet manifest, so that they may. I don't know if this is on the screen, but I think it's a quote from, I don't think it's there, a quote from Augustine. He said, Faith is to believe what we do not see, and the reward of that faith is to see what we believe. He, God, is waiting for you to speak. And we have to be very careful what comes out of our mouth. Watch your mouth. He's 
ready, I believe, at times with an army of angels to fight on your behalf. He's waiting for the words that come out of your mouth to line up with his heartbeat, with his word, but we have to declare it. There's something powerful about confession. You know, in fact, the, the way to come to Christ, Romans talks about, is that we confess with our mouth what we believe. It's not enough just to think sometimes, to think these thoughts. It's something about declaring it and, and, and speaking it out. Let the weak say, I am strong. Not just kind of, you know, thinking, oh, I am strong. No, actually declare it that you are strong. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Just remember some of these promises. They're not hard to memorize when you're struggling. I can do all things through Christ. You can do this. You can do it. You will see that, that breakthrough in all things, in every trial and challenge. You are more than a conqueror because of who, who, is, who is in you. Who is in you. I think I've got some declarations. Would you hit the next slide? Maybe I've got that. I do. Come on, why don't we stand up for just a second? And I don't know if that's too small for you to read out or not. Uh, is it? Can you see those words? They're cool. Maybe the band could come. That'd be great. I, I just, I don't know. This is something that God's been doing to me, but just reminding me again of what he has said. Because there are times in our lives where we get so uh, sidetracked or not even sidetracked, but just so focused on what we can see and not what God is saying. What we see, the giant sometimes looks a lot more scarier than some of the promises that we have to pull out and remember and declare. And I just want us, as we come to a close, to just declare some things about what is actually true. And if you can see this, let's read these out together and I'll do this as well. Every mountain is an opportunity for God to show His hand. There is nothing too difficult no sin he hasn't dealt with, no shame he hasn't forgiven, no obstacle he hasn't, he can't scale. He is in me, on me, with me, and for me to see his purpose for my life fulfilled. I will confess with my mouth all he has promised until I see them established. God, I thank you for your promises. I thank you for your truth. I thank you for your words. I thank you for your hope. I thank you for what you have said over every life here today. I thank you, God, that we can stand here, not just reminded, but allow those words to speak louder than what we see. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, we thank you, God. Let's just sing.